Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Greetings, dear listeners. This is Jonah Goldberg, host of the Remnant Podcast, brought to you by The Dispatch and Dispatch Media. You can go to thedispatch.com to get uh, updates on all things plague-related and other important things. And uh, today's episode is sponsored by uh, two of our good friends, uh, Donors Trust and Untuck It. More about them in a little bit. Uh, we declined an ad from Forsythia, uh, which is the remedy in the movie Contagion, for those of you who don't know, uh, because we have standards around here. And I want to particularly thank uh, my friends at Fox, particularly my friend at Fox, Chris Steyerwalt, because in a scramble to deal with all sorts of plague-related things, not only did he agree to come on the podcast at, a la- at the last minute um, as a sort of break glass in case of emergency guest. That's where I like to be. Um, but he's letting us use the uh, the the uh, po- podcast and radio studio here at Fox News in Washington, D.C. And they're even accommodate the chairs are extra wide to accommodate our hazmat suits. <laughs> so everything's going great. Uh, Chris, welcome to the show. I'm enjoying keeping my social distance from you. Uh, it's it's truly great. And you are in the Tony Snow studio. Oh, that's right. The Tony Snow studio. So, so yeah. named for it. He, he was a radio warrior here for a long time. Indeed he was. Uh, and this is the good work. We should thank Jason Bonewald, uh, the uh, major domo of Fox News Radio and all-around cool dude. I never exaggerate, but he may be the greatest American who ever lived. Quite possibly. In this time of national crisis, it comes to Bonewald. Um, and... The fact that his name is Bonewald, I will nonetheless, out of gratitude, resist <laughs> from all of the juvenilia that I can make at that angle. But since you brought it up, yes. um, I was in the elevator today coming up to Fox here at, at Fox News DC headquarters. And um, I um, was looking, as, as, as one does, I was reading the, um, I'm trying to call it up here on my phone, I was reading the... Uh, Elevator certificate to make sure that it was up to date because you know as one, you like to check. Yes, I do. And apparently, the acting director. Oh, I know this. His name is, who signed it is Ernest Crappa. <laughs> if you think that I don't giggle about that on a multi-weekly basis, you are mistaken, sir. I mean, I wonder. I wonder how his brother Cavalier is doing. <laughs> Uh, can we get Mike Crapo in here, please? <laughs> and, 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 of course, their little brother, Erstwhile. <laughs> Erstwhile Crapo. All right. So um, uh, maybe it's just me. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's because the streets of D.C. are aligned with the dead. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
it seems to me that that debate was a long time ago. Gaul. Uh, but it was only uh, 48 hours, 72 it, hours ago? It, something time, like that? Time has slowed. I, I, will, I will agree with you. Time has slowed. Um, the debate, and we're this is the day of what was going to be a big primary day. That's right. We're recording this on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, it's a less big primary day today because Ohio has dropped out. Right. And rescheduled for June. Uh, the Democratic debate was, I would say, a fitting end to their terrible, terrible, terrible debate regime. Yes. Uh, parties have struggled mightily in the television era about how to figure out how to do debates uh, in their primary contests. Uh, the Democrats, I don't know of a worse example of what this party did. They had 20 people in their first debate. That's not a debate. Right. Um, they maintain- It's a plenary session of the Politburo. Exactly, yeah. exa- exactly. It's the, it, it is uh, Emperor Palpatine addressing the, uh, the crowd. Um, th- then they kept it artificially large for a long time. Um, because the Democrats are were, are afraid of Bernie Sanders, right. and they're afraid of many Bernie Sanderses. Um, and you and I, I know are very much in agreement about weak parties produce strong partisanship. Right. Um, this is a, a perfect laboratory example of the Democratic Party is weak and afraid to institute real rules for its debates. So they let too many people stay in uh, for too long on the stage. There's there's Tom Steyer being reintroduced to the debate stage was absurd. Yes. And then you end up with Statler and Waldorf in a coronavirus quarantine where Bernie Sanders is given permission with the help of the CNN anchors to pummel Joe Biden for two freaking hours in an airless room. It was horrifying. It was it was so stupid. First of all, I, I try not to recycle my tweets on this uh, podcast, but I do think I would have forgiven them everything and maybe even uh, signed up as a Democrat if they agreed to have them debate while sitting on a park bench feeding pigeons. <laughs> um, I just think it would have been fantastic. Or maybe at the Carnegie Deli fighting over like whether corned beef is better than pastrami or something or, like or that. Or I could even see uh, uh, wine bottles wrapped up in brown paper bags. Uh, on the stoop. Yeah, yeah on or, the stoop. Or, or over like a burning garbage oil yeah, drum yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Exactly. Singing doo Totally into that. It was just, you know, I, I wrote in uh, the halftime report on Monday. Which everyone should read. There was a question to, and I don't have it in front of me, but the question was essentially, uh, Mr. Vice President, Bernie Sanders wants to spend $15 trillion more on global warming than you. Right. Uh, is your plan not sufficient? Are you not alarmed enough about global warming? And I said, you know, have you stopped beating Gaia, Mr. Vice President? It was just like, <laughs> it was, I felt Biden acquitted himself fine, but I just felt horrible for this guy. Yeah. I mean, the shocking thing for me, it's amazing how often conventional wisdom, uh, Comes screaming out of the toilet bowl to bite you on the ass, but um, <laughs> that's rather that's a rather graphic image. <laughs> but, I mean, but it is true. I mean, look, I picked up a copy of the Economist that was lying around here at, at the Fox office, and it's from you know the last week of February, and it's got the cover is Big Tech's twenty two trillion dollar bull run. Woo-hoo! That feels like you know a million years ago. Anyway, uh, the the conventional wisdom, for, I mean, 
I've said it. I'm assuming you said it. Lots of people have said it that uh, Biden benefited from the big crowds on the stages because sure. the limited time reduced the chances for a gaffe or right. a Bidenism or him to shout, get these squirrels off of me or whatever it is. And it turned out, at least for the first 45 minutes, which I haven't looked at the overnight daily rating thingy-mobobs that you look at, but uh, presumably more people watched in the first 45 minutes than in the, in the last hour. So I don't look at ratings because it it is not good for my journalism if I do. It's seductive. It's seductive. Uh-huh. Uh, so I don't, but I can generally say, yes, that is. So th- for television events, the best thing that you could have is tune in, uh-huh. right? So the best thing is you start with 7 million viewers, right. and then people start talking about it, it and tweeting about it and calling their friends and telling Mabel to come in and watch this, and you go to 10 billion or right. 10 million. That would be your 10 billion the, would be really 10, good. Trump uh, is going to get 10 billion, I, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, one right. of, for one of his debates. That's going to be 10 billion. When that reporter asked him on a scale from 1 to 10 how well he's doing, and he said 10, I think he meant 10 oh, billion. Oh, yeah, yeah, 10 billion. Um, but anyway. Squared. It turned out that at least in the first 45 minutes, it seemed to me that Sanders seemed like the oh yeah old man back on his heels. He was getting the name of the virus wrong. Ebola. Um, uh, and uh, although it would have been better if he called it like consumption or something really like 19th century. Um, dropsy. <laughs> what is dropsy? I don't know. I It's one of those things I've known, but I purged from my hard drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I could hold on to the plot lines of Gilligan's Island. Um <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so uh, – Were the Harlem – just as an aside, were the Harlem Globetrotters ever on Gilligan's Island or is that a false memory that I have created? I – OK. You're, you're catching me on the spot here. I am fairly certain that that – I want to say that that was a special. It was – OK. It was like in the 80s they did – Yeah, like a Christmas – Yeah, like that a, guy something. kind of – sort of like the Star Wars Christmas movie. Which is kind of so thing. great. It is fantastic. Um, it hurt my eldest son though to watch it yeah. because – Star Wars is a religion now. It is a, sure. a, a commercial religion, uh, Dianetics uh, with Yoda, but the the breaking uh, of canon and the general just, urinating on the entire tradition. just the schlock, just yeah, the just the unreal. hardcore Ewok schlock yeah. is just magnificent. Yeah. Um, or Wookies, I'm sorry, Wook, uh, Wookies, yes, Wookies, because yes. it, it was it was the it was a it was a pagan Wookiee holiday. Yes. Not, not, Ewoks were not in the Canada. Yeah, the, the, but the Wooklets were a a nod to things to come. They were foreshadowed. They were foreshadowed. Yeah, 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 sort right. of like the orcs in the original Hobbit. Were, yep. Yeah. Anyway, we don't need to <laughs> go too far on this. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, but, um, all right, so th- technically there was supposed to be a debate in April. That's not going to happen now, right? Well, look, we don't know what's going to happen today. Um, Ohio's moved its primary. Uh, we don't know who's going to show up in Florida, Arizona, who has already voted. Um, is it possible that Bernie Sanders voters who ha- are low propensity voters. But young and healthy. But young and healthy. <laughs> normally what happens is, or what has happened to this point, is that Bernie Sanders wins Election Day. Uh-huh. But Joe Biden wins the uh, early vote so big that he more than makes up for it. Um, You mean that the other way around? No. Say that again, then. Bernie Sanders Uh does better on Election Day. Right. But Joe Biden does so much – has been doing so much better with early voters that it overwhelms what – So that's a flip of what we had in the early primaries. Right. Okay. Okay. That's what your point is. Okay. Right. So – 
that and that's generally true. Low, they're lower propensity voters. They're younger people. They're trying to get them to the polls on election day. Right. I don't know how this plays out. And the sort of the nightmare scenario for Democrats now is Sanders revitalized. Yeah. Randomly revitalized. Uh, that because of the outbreak, look, he's down two to one in the Wall Street Journal poll. Uh, he's down 20 points, according to a statistically useful uh, Arizona poll. There's no reason we don't have data to point to Bernie Sanders' revival, but when you have a, the first ever nationwide mass quarantine going on, we don't know what's going to happen. So the the worst case scenario for Democrats, Sanders revitalized, wins some delegates, pulls back into a tie, and then the primaries are canceled indefinitely. Yeah, and then they wait, and that would really that. You know, today Biden got Secret Service protection. He's plugging into the party money. The party's ready to sync up with Biden's campaign yeah. and do all that stuff. If they have to wait for some reason, that would be a, a real mess. But that seems that still strikes me as unlikely. Yeah, I would. I'd say it's a twenty to one. It's yeah. a. It's unlikely, but it's they have to think about it. Because if they did, if if they had the the system that the Republicans had, where it's winner take all in these right. primaries, you could see a scenario where Bernie. Comes back. But. Sanders would have to get something like, in order to win outright, he'd have to get something like sixty-five percent right. of the of the remaining delegates. Yeah. That's not going to happen. It's very unlikely to happen. But again, as you're pointing out, as we're sitting here looking at this Economist cover about the two trillion dollar bull run, um, stuff gets weird. It yeah, gets yeah. it can get weird quickly. Um, so speaking of getting weird quickly, mm. um, I want to uh, first show you my t-shirt okay <laughs> uh, it says a friend of mine sent it to me who actually i believe gave money to the campaign it's samoans for bloomberg absolutely um and uh uh and since i'm talking about my t-shirt i should then actually talk about untuck it mm-hmm. ever wonder why traditional button-ups look so long and baggy that's because they were never meant to be worn that way Untuck It shirts were specifically designed to be worn untucked. Untuck It is the brand you've been looking for. And long-time listeners know that I'm actually a big fan of Untuck It shirts. They are, I mean, back in the days where we had air travel uh, and you wanted to look somewhat presentable but also be comfortable, uh, they were great for that kind of stuff. They're great for, like, weekend picnic stuff uh, where you, again, want to look, you know, presentable. You don't want to embarrass your kids by... You know, wearing your uh, uh, Metallica uh, tour T-shirts um, because you're their father or whatever. Um, Untuck it lets you look decent, clean, well dressed while still being comfortable, which is like hugely important, um, particularly in these trying times. Don't just take my word for it. Try Untuck it for yourself. Visit untuckit.com and use the code. Dingo for 20% off your first order. They even order, offer free shipping and returns on all orders in the U.S. That's untuckit.com promo code Dingo for 20% off your first order. We thank Untuckit for sponsoring today's episode of The Remnant. Can I, can I by the way, say um, your ad reads uh-huh. have gotten so good. Really? And you understandably, Dana Perino and I have never had to do it. Uh-huh. And Why I, is that? Why I, is I don't Fox think anybody not interested knows. in filthy lucre. I don't think anybody knows that we have the podcast. I think the reason that we've been able to do it for so long is that nobody knows that I'll tell you what's out there. So we just get to do it um, the way we like it. 
so I always feel bad for when people have to do ad reads. And I know when you started, it was obviously like, ah, like pulling teeth. Yeah, I did not enjoy it at first. Going, yeah. going through it. Um, I love Conan O'Brien's podcast. Fantastic podcast. His ad reads make me want to take the high-level bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is like unbelievably bad that he can't just say, okay, uh, for now for some money, uh, yeah. I'm going to say these words. And he belabors it, and it goes on and on forever. Yeah. And if I can't get to the skip button, it's just slow death. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's some of them. Uh, Mizzle and Maine or whatever that one is. Mizzle and Maine. Mizzle and Maine. I like his, uh, his ter- Maine. terrible accent. <laughs> and uh, there are a couple of them I kind of like, but I, I think that is... I do, I'm not much interested when he talks to serious people. Yeah. Uh, because this is the life we have chosen. Right, We've exactly. stuck around a lot of serious people. Yeah. But the comedic ones are fantastic. You know, it occurred to me when you mentioned I'll Tell You What, which is your fabulous podcast with the lovely and talented uh, Dana Perino. And when you average the two of you together, it's still an above average attractive person. <laughs> exactly. She'll she's get, doing she's doing a, carrying a lot of weight Big there. lift. Big <laughs> lift there. And... Uh, <laughs> Um, and actually, normal sized. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, but you are the co-host. If I tell you what the podcast, and you are, what is your title around? I am the politics editor for the Fox News Channel. Okay, so, but that doesn't explain why all like the interns have to bow when you go by. That's just street cred. That's uh-huh. just because I have the sweetest game. Okay, all that's right. why. Um, and because uh, I found that you know this movie. Um, Remember, it got screwed because it seemed to be making fun of deplorables. Yes, about it's hunting called the hunt or something. Yeah, yeah. And it turned out it was sort of a dumb thing for the Trumpies to get angry yeah, about yeah, yeah. because it was actually. But it was good for the day. For the day that you want, if you needed something to be enraged about, yeah, there it was, right in front of you. Yeah, you it was could sort just of off the it. shelf. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anti Hollywood outrage, but they delayed it like a year. Because it was after some recent mass shooting. That, that's understandable, right? Or well, I think like it was that. after the mass shooting, but I also think that the marketing, they had screwed up the marketing so badly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they got the backlash. Now, then they came back with new marketing that like leans into it. Right, right. And so, I, but I started seeing ads for it like in the last three weeks. Yep. And then the coronavirus thing hits. So it's like these poor bastards who just want to make a wholesome movie about hunting humans for sport can't, can't catch a break. <laughs> Dr. Moreau, call your office. Um, but I, that's what made me think of it. It was the interns because clearly, you know, you hunt them hunt for them sport. For sport. And yeah. it's hard during the corona era that, you know, they're just not they're not here to burn with cigarettes yeah. uh, and, and waterboard as we usually do. And by the way, they're college associates now. Seriously? Yeah. Is that because of some weird federal regulation? I have no idea. I just get I, – I receive emails, read them, and do what they say. That's College what I do. Associates. College Associates. Really? That's, really. That's fascinating. Very much so. So does that mean I can't shout out Opus Boy anymore? <laughs> I have to that say is, – That is still fine. <laughs> that remains fine. But you then after when you fill out the form, you have to say uh, College Associate. Oh, OK. Yeah. But – just it's also gendered, which is a problem. But that's 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 yeah yeah that's yeah yeah, yeah I think that's true. I think I think you've got I think uh, you guys at the dispatch have some issues that you're going to have to work through with I the suppose, associates. Yeah, I suppose that right. I better. I and better. by the way, can I also say how much I enjoy the morning dispatch? Thank you very much. What Thank a you. fantastically useful product. Thank you. Thank you. It's not too long. Uh-huh. I as a note maker uh, myself with the great Brown and McClelland. Uh, it's Who hard. is lovely. It is hard to get the the quantity. Quantity is a really hard thing yeah, yeah, yeah. on a note because it they get to be four thousand words pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And holding it down and having it be useful is hard without having it be what do they call it? The skim 
Mem. Have you ever read The Skim? Yes, but not recently. But it, you can get there pretty quickly, yeah. too, where you're like, laws, JK, coronavirus, what up, dog? Yeah, 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 and yeah. you can go there pretty quickly, too. Yeah. So you guys have found a really nice spot. Thank you very much. I mean, I, I, what, I what I appreciate about it probably the most is how little work I have to put into this it. This is the best part. Yeah. No, it's really um, – I mean, uh, uh, Declan um, and and Egger, the, Andrew Egger, are mm-hmm. the two grunts on it, and then Steve – oversees it and uh the lovely um sarah isger contributed to it as well you know they're all cutting themselves and <laughs> up at four in the morning yeah, i mean like ah! sitting in a bathtub empty bathtub hugging their knees <laughs> weeping um and then i wake up and i offer my criticisms of yeah it. that's great good but not great <laughs> <laughs> um uh i gotta stop shouting sleep is for closers but, yeah exactly it, it's a startup um so uh, let's talk about uh, the coronavirus. Okay. Um, how is it – before we talk about the grand things, I think people would like to look behind the curtain here. Uh, how is it affecting things at, at, at Fox Central? Well, we went r- r- real, real aggressive, real uh-huh. early on corona. And uh, we're only here as much as is absolutely necessary. Uh-huh. Uh, we are a television network. That was a reference to your office policy, not necessarily your coverage. Right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we are here as little as possible. Uh-huh. Uh, we, are as, we are remote as much as possible. Uh, we're using Skype in ways that we haven't before. Um, we're keeping people – you know, you know here it's like we have sh- we have a lot of shows that focus on – a sense of community. Uh, you do the special report panel. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll be different now. Uh-huh. Um, and we're not going to have people. It's sort of it's odd how quickly our minds change on these subjects. But now it feels weird when you see people sitting in close proximity yeah, to each yeah, other yeah. on television. Yeah. And, and it's only been a week. Yeah. But it feels like, uh, don't sit so close. Yeah. Uh, why Why are you breathing on Donna Bash? I don't understand. <laughs> um, so it, so we're – And we're, normally that question would have a completely different context. <laughs> totally different, yeah. <laughs> totally different reason that that would be wrong. Yeah. Um, but the, the truth is this bureau has traditionally – Tons of people coming sure. throughout the day from all walks of life, from all over the world. There's some people you can't get out of the green room. There's some people I think uh, I think Bolton may still be in there. I'm yeah, not yeah. sure. Uh, but the the truth is, we just can't do that. Yeah, and that's not that's not going to work. So producers have really had. And by the way, we're adding live coverage. So producers have had to get really really creative yeah. about how to fill 24 hours of news without just being able to go back to the well of like well get a, do a punch and judy have one right. uh, r one d come on they'll fight for 8 minutes uh that you can't do that anymore so you got to figure out other ways to do it um and all right so on the coronavirus stuff i mean people don't know this about you but you're actually an accredited epidemiologist totally but uh you know we hear enough from these people um so let's stick to how it will affect politics. Right. Um, do you think they're actually, uh, you know, like how does it, let's assume that Sanders cannot win back the votes, right? right. Let's assume that, that today the results are, even if he wins today. But that, yes. They, it's that, 55-45 or 52-48 and he doesn't pick up any delegates. The and, overwhelmingly likely outcome 
is, and as I said, Joe Biden's got Secret Service protection as of today. The overwhelmingly likely outcome is that the Democratic nominating process concludes today, essentially. Right. Uh, there may be other contests that are held, but that Sanders goes away. He can't get any news or attention. He can't hold rallies. There's well, that's what I was going to say is that, like, you know, his basic superpower is convening large numbers of college kids and college age people and siphoning off their youth and vigor um, to order to uh, seize the means of production, right? right? That's his thing. And if all the kids have been sent home, he can't have rallies with them. He can't do he, he, I saw a piece in Politico today that he's, uh, he's not going to give up. He's going to stick around. What does that look like when you can't have an event? This is... So we, when we think about American politics, we tend to think of Donald Trump as the disruptor. We right. tend to think of Donald Trump as the black, the political black swan. But if we look a little more closely, we see he's not. Um, he's uh, typical of what's happening uh, in mature uh, societies throughout the West, whether it's Viktor Orban or, or actually even in the East, uh, Modi in India. Uh, nationalism is what's up. And people are into it. Uh, pop, nationalist populism with a strong cultural bent is the scene uh, from Britain to Poland to Hungary to Brazil. Um, the, that's what Trump is part of. And uh, thank, thank social media. If you're, if you're enjoying this, you can thank social media for pr facilitating this great shift. But the real outlier in American politics in the last 20 years, I think, is Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. uh, so Bernie Sanders is back where Bernie Sanders has always wanted to be. Not taken seriously. Right. Patted on the head. An issue candidate. An issue candidate, a, the Ron Paul of the Democratic Party. Right. Uh, he's adorable, and he doesn't get tough questions. He doesn't have to be accountable. He launched his 2016 campaign uh, in, on the lawn outside of the Capitol at a press conference attended by nine people. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, Hillary Clinton had been so successful in clearing the Democratic field right. that all of the – Oklahoma and West Virginia were not voting for Bernie Sanders in 2016. Right. They were voting against Hillary Clinton. So Sanders then has to run again, right? He's got this giant money-making machine, and he has a bunch of people who are true believers, and he is embraced by uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and here he is. So he's got to run again. And for the first part, it was pretty good. But then the dangerous moment came. They took him seriously right, right. and then beat him with aluminum baseball bats <laughs> over the head uh, for a week. And now Bernie's back to where he wants to be. Yeah. If, you, if you're cynical, you say it's grifty. If you're, uh, if you're idealistic, you say that he is an issue candidate who is championing universal health insurance and holding Democrats to account. But Bernie's back where he wants to be. He just can't hold rallies. But other than that, it's going to be great. So you don't think that he – I mean, one of the saddest things in presidential politics is that moment. You can see it. It's like when the android – becomes self-aware, self right? You know, there's this weird sort of almost just like imperceptible double blink and a click in the back of the, behind the temple or behind the ear where they all of a sudden think, oh my God, I'm going to be the next president of the United States. Right. You know, and we remember it was Newt who at one point gave this interview in 2012 about how he was unstoppable. Uh, you know, no one has told Rick Santorum yet. Right. You know, I mean, they're like, still out there. But it happens to lots of them. And it happened to Hillary, you know, probably in grade school. Um, and you don't think it happened to Sanders? Because it felt to me at some point like he was like, 
I'm going to do this. The Hegelian dialectic is paying off in the science of history and uh, you know, the, 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 the Francois Babouf, the original socialist, was nice. correct. You know, nice yeah. with your deep bowls. <laughs> oh, how I envy your footnotes. Um, the uh, look, I'm, I don't know what he thought, uh-huh. but I know the way he acted was like somebody who believed he was heading. I don't think there was a day that Bernie Sanders thought that he was going to win outright. Okay. I don't think that I think he knew. You know, Bernie Sanders, people forget, has been in Congress for 30 freaking years. Yeah. This guy has been in Congress since George H.W. Bush was president of the United States. Yeah. This is a guy who knows his racket. And his racket is harassing the Democratic Party, getting little concessions, uh, and then being quiet. He, Bernie Sanders has been and can be bought, uh, not by the billionaires, millionaires and billionaires, but he is a creature of this process. Yeah. And he knew, he knew that the best case scenario for him at any moment was going to be, I'm sure he thought, well, maybe I'll be like Trump, right? They'll never coalesce. Uh, they'll never coalesce. But I think in his heart of hearts, he knew that his best case scenario was resting the nomination away in a vicious fight in Milwaukee. Yeah. So I wrote – so there are a lot of us – and you're probably one of them. I can't remember now. But there are a lot of us who are a little pissed because we clung to this idea that Biden had a better chance than people were giving him for yes. so long. yes. And then we all caved because, again, right. we cashed in. It was like, all right, fine. You're right. Fine. Yeah. You people are right. Because, again, the, <laughs> the, 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 the fanged sewer snake of conventional wisdom leapt out of the toilet and bit us in the ass again. <laughs> and we were like, you're right. He's nuts. He's Growing losing it. Growing up in New York in the 70s really <laughs> scarred you. It I just want it left It, it left an indelible marks. Well, it, it's, worth, it, it's better than the clawed hand of the chud <laughs> reaching yes, up to get right. you. Uh, no, but you're totally right. I was long on Sanders. I was long on Biden forever. Yeah. Hey, this guy's doing fine. His numbers are really stable. I don't know what you're talking about. But then he gets shellacked in yeah. Iowa. Not just, he doesn't yeah. just do poorly. He gets killed. Yeah. He goes to New Hampshire. He finishes behind Pete Buttigieg. Yeah. He finishes a, a distant third, fourth, fourth in New Hampshire. Yeah. Uh, Nevada gets a quarter of the del- gets a quarter of the delegates really is stinking up the joint. So by that point you just I had to say right. history if history's any guy if history's yeah. any guy yeah. this guy's dead meat. Um, but two really great things happened for Joe Biden. And he can thank Michael Bloomberg for both of them. Michael Bloomberg's entry into the race stomped Biden's lead down. Right. Bloomberg came in and took half of or a third or more of Biden's support whomp, and just absolutely crushed him. He brained him and it was at a terrible time right as the primaries were starting. And Bloomberg totally roiled the race, absolutely changed it because uh, he was rich and credible. That was seemed bad for Biden, but it was really good for Biden because what it did was it made Bernie Sanders the, the real front runner. runner. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then it was like. 
you did what, what about Castro? Yeah. What, sir? What was that? that you, yeah. What was that that you used to sell uh, radical film strips to school children in Vermont uh, about Eugene V. Debs? You said, <laughs> okay, well, all right, and erotica in the uh, the Free Magazine. I see. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. as soon as Sanders gets taken seriously, the Democratic panic, the flight to surety, yeah. increases dramatically. Then Bloomberg steps on a debate stage, and people go, Oh no, 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 yeah. no. No, not him. They're like, so it's Biden. Yeah. The hardest hit, the 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 most unfortunate people, of course, are Pete and Amy. Yeah. Pete and Amy are the like of all of this weirdness, they are the ones who played by the rules. They did everything you're supposed to do. They uh Pete Buttigieg won the most impressive He won Iowa. Iowa victory. That. He yeah, did yeah. what Jimmy Carter, uh Barack Obama he did what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And he's he's like a corgi. He's like, I got the ball. I brought the ball back to yeah. you. Now what do I do? And it's like, well, you better do really well in New Hampshire. And he went and did that, too. Yeah. And then the Democratic Party said, actually, no, never mind. Yeah. It's weird. It is. The whole thing is bizarre. But so back when we were long on Biden. Yeah. I wrote a column saying, which was advice, I have to say, would have worked pretty well for Bloomberg, too. I still think Bloomberg could have gotten the nomination if he had done it a different way. Or if uh, he didn't sound like one of Alvin and the Chipmunks on, you know, on Nitrous. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's amazing how There's voice that. matters, you know. And, yeah. And, and, yeah. Um, but uh, where was I? Oh, that Biden should have run from the beginning a front porch campaign. Yeah. Like the idea that he has to go do what all these other people are doing is sort of silly. He should like control his messaging and put out statements, give speeches, meet with groups, you know, he can stay in the media, but he doesn't have to go and 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 do the grueling stuff. And apparently he didn't he truly didn't need to because it didn't work for him in Iowa and New Hampshire anyway. Now the coronavirus provides an opportunity totally. for totally. a front porch campaign, the likes of which we haven't seen since right. what was it James Buchanan? Who did the big one? Well, the, uh, McKinley had a McKinley, very yeah. McK McKinley had a fine, uh, fine nineteen hundred uh, campaign from his home in Ohio. Yeah. Uh, uh, Coolidge reelect uh, didn't he didn't uh, exactly go barnstorming. Right. Uh, of course, his son had just died. Right. Um, but the the. Biden's advance. So what you want to do is, I as I have said about, I said about Biden on Super Tuesday. I said they need to Corona contain him. I was jo we were joking in right. those days, but it was like they need a guy in hazmat suits to come out and say, "Oh, the vice president must be taken into a secure location yeah. and put him away." Yeah, because Joe Biden is now his goal is to run as a generic Democrat. Right. Not a specific person. Mr. Not Trump. Right. Mr. Not Trump, a generic Democrat. You know, it's been so amazing to watch the Republicans on Corona. So they start out, nope, nope, no Corona, non-coronal. This is not a thing. It's like the flu. Shut up. Um, why are viruses in the media trying to destroy my presidency? Um, and then once they realized that was not going to fly, right, that would not fly. Now they they say, wait a minute, what you're saying is we can have massive, massive authority and massive, massive spending. Yeah. And the, the it's this really weird moment. And if you think back to 2001 and you think back to 2008, there was controversy around how much spending and how much stimulus and how much whatever. And when Bush is talking about, I think we need – uh, $250 billion uh, in early 2008 because of the growing problems. 
I was like, can we afford it? Can we do it? Now everybody says, yeah, let's just load the money into a one of those guns they shoot T-shirts out of right. at a concert and just cover the country with money. So the Trump is now in, he is now pro corona. He he has turned the corner and now sees this as an, a way that he can embrace this and get reelected. It's totally wild. Yeah, and and there were voices. Um, we don't have to name names. Uh, in the sort of pro-Trump media, who had a very similar reaction, we had we had uh, the Wall Street Journal poll that was out this week showed that among republic that that the partisan divide on how seriously people were now this was the end of last week things this has moved quickly, um, but only thirty eight percent of Republicans I think in uh, shout out Bill McIntyre my second favorite poll uh, the um, there only thirty eight percent of Republicans were taking it seriously. Yeah, Let Wallen says my second favorite poll. But, anyway. <laughs> John uh, Paul the Great. Um, I, I, I think that some of it is Trump and the desire to defend the president, but I think a lot of it also is where do people live? Sure. No, I think there's a geographic thing to it, too. As of this recording, West Virginia has no recorded cases. And as I said, there is a, a, my home state. Uh, the virus cannot penetrate the fine blend of uh, coal dust and oh. biscuit grease yeah, that yeah. it cannot penetrate. Um, also, the tobacco chew is yeah. somehow acidic enough. That when it, you yeah. see it coming, when you see the virus coming, you just aim the stream yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at the virus. Um, so I think part of it is geographic. Uh, if you're in Idaho... It's probably when you're watching the news, it probably seems pretty weird. Yeah, my wife just came back from Alaska. She had a similar experience. Um, and then the other thing is, there's a cultural thing. Yeah, right. So, sixty uh, percent of Democrats are women. People forget when we talk about how the parties respond to things. Oftentimes, we're just talking about how do the genders respond to things. Yeah. And 60% of Democrats are women. Guess what? Women are taking coronavirus more seriously than men are in the whole because men are idiots. Yeah, yeah. And we don't take the flu seriously. We don't take anything seriously. We're like, hand washing? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not get into all that crazy talk. So I think I think there are other reasons, too. So my favorite Tom Wolfian aspect of all of this is that the one community, oh, community, one industry that was most outrageously caught off guard about this whole thing. Please say porn. No, they've reacted in, <laughs> in real time. This is boom for porn. Yeah, exactly. Uh, was the prepper people. I know. It's fantastic. And so, like, there is this weird disconnect where the people who normally are telling you that, you know, the, so the talk radio guys are like, Load up on your salt pills, and you never know when stuff's going to hit the when Paul Krugman's column is going to hit the fan, <laughs> and so you know you got to be you got to be ready. And they completely were unprepared for the coronavirus, and so there's going to be a six month lag time as they also rewrite all their ad copy, yep. refill their warehouses because they can't do it now. And so when this passes is when the sort of delayed sort of curve comes through with the talk radio crowd, where there are going to be. The hosts who were poo-pooing and skeptical right. about all of this right. are going to turn on it and say, you know, you need to be prepared. The next one's coming. Yeah. The next one's coming. Coronavirus nearly killed us all because that's their demographic, too. Exactly. You know? Exa exactly. And for Republicans in a, in a big, big way. Uh, the, the average Republican is older than the average Democrat, is older right. than the average American. Uh, and these things are the – we talk about – um, depressing the the curve, and I love 
Americans because Americans are ornery and difficult and hard to corral. But when we take to something with civic-minded good spirit, right. we really do a great job. Yeah, yeah. And we're going we're gonna to bend that frickin' curve. That yeah. is, that's going to happen. And you can see it, and people are taking to it with real patriotic alarm. Like, this is a thing that yeah. we've got to do. And we, by the way, this is terrible for me to say, but it also feels like this was the nervous breakdown America was waiting to have. A little bit. Like, we'd been just keeping it together. Yeah, <laughs> We've yeah, been yeah. maintaining for a long time. Yeah. Uh, but now it's like, I'm ready to just fall to pieces, and we just need we need a mental health break. And I think this provides that to a certain degree. All right. I want to get back. I know you yes. have to get out of here soon. But I want to get back to the uh, issue of uh, the economic policy response to all of this. Because uh, there were some of us back in the old Tea Party days who actually believed in living within our means and the importance of free markets and laissez-faire. And uh, a lot of that stuff has gone out the window, uh, but not at Donors Trust. There you go. As longtime listeners know, Donors Trust is the community foundation for those who care about free markets, limited government, and personal responsibility. A donor-advised fund at Donors Trust offers you a tool for simplifying your giving and maximizing your tax benefits. There are lots of donor-advised fund providers out there, but only Donors Trust shares your principles. The Donors Trust team will work with you to protect your charitable legacy, define your impact, and help you achieve your charitable goals, whether it's fighting populist ideals or giving to your local civic organization. Last year, Donors Trust facilitated more than $200 million in charitable gifts to advance liberty from donors who give away a few hundred dollars a year and others who give much more. See how Donors Trust and a donor-advised fund could help you increase the impact of your philanthropy. And Remnant listeners can get a free copy of Six Reasons to Use a Donor-Advised Fund by, by visiting DonorsTrust.org slash dingo. Go there to see how a fund with Donors Trust can help you with your giving. That's DonorsTrust.org slash dingo. We thank Donors Trust for sponsoring today's episode of The Remnant. It seems to me, that the, like, so I heard Tom Colicchio, who I actually like, the guy from Top Chef. Yeah. Right? right? I heard him on MSNBC uh, the other, yesterday, the other day, whatever, um, when I was driving in my car, and uh, he did this extended riff that was sort of right in the comfort zone of, of MSNBC, where I never thought I would hear Tom Colicchio actually use the name Grover Norquist. Nice. But he said, you know, for years we've been hearing from the right that we need to shrink government, we need to cut government, that big government's the problem, we need to get it small enough to drown it in a bathtub. And then he says, thank you very much, Grover Norquist. And um, That's like an ancient poll. That's it like really a, is. That's like a 15 years ago grab. Yeah, and it's 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 it shows you, I mean, it's, I'm, the more it, it, it's sort of like I tweeted yesterday that there's nothing that shows you're more of a sort of very online liberal or MSNBC bubble dweller than thinking that Stacey Abrams is the best VP yeah, yeah, choice. Yeah, for yeah, yeah, and yeah. people went nuts about this. I, I love was, that. It's bizarre to me. But anyway, like she's horrible. What are you talking about? Yeah, and, and most people haven't heard of her. But right. anyway, uh, uh, staying away from tangents. Must resist tangents. Um, <laughs> the the point I'm going to is that you, with the Grover thing, you could just tell when some people are in in certain bubbles, but. Like, it seems to me, like, you talk about how this is our World War II and all that kind of stuff. Oh. We talk about people from the World War II generation or the great or the New Deal, you know, Great Depression generation, and how 
they came out of that with certain lessons. And one of them was like, live within your means, save money, be prepared because things can go bad, right? Why the blazes can't that same principle apply to government, right? It would be much better. We'd be in much better shape today to do all of these things, give every American $1,000 in a puppy, whatever we're talking right. about doing, if, for example, we hadn't locked, added on several trillion dollars more debt over the last 10 years, right? right? Um, the idea that somehow it is inconsistent for conservatives to want to be uh, live within our means when times are good so that we're prepared when for when times are bad has been completely lost in this conversation. I, I, I don't know well, a libertarian who, or a conservative who's worth their salt who doesn't think that the government can't respond to th like epidemic or pandemics. Well, it, as, as it happens, having an ideologically unmoored Republican Party is consequential. Right. Um, parties are vehicles for winning elections, not maintaining ideologies. Uh, the as, as I say, the purpose of the Pittsburgh Steelers is not to run the wishbone offense. The purpose of the Pittsburgh Steelers is to win football games right. and Super Bowls. Um, the purpose of the Republican Party is to win elections, not be conservative. However, in order to maintain their coalition in the past, they had to be conservative in order to keep the winning coalition. Now that that is not true, or it was proven to be untrue running against Hillary Clinton, we're looking at a Republican Party that says, you know what? Deficits don't matter. Right. And people who say deficits do matter are just bringing down uh, Trump. They're just saying it because they're against Trump. Um, we have reached a point of such existentialist hogwash where every the other side, the negative partisanship has taken hold to such a degree that anything can be excused as long as it prevents the terrible people from winning. Right. And look, Tom Colicchio, uh, who I, I don't know what he thinks is going on in Washington, but let me tell you, the conservatives are not winning. <laughs> the conservatives have not been winning yeah. uh, for a long time. You can argue basically that that's because the libertarians have been running everything. That is see, the shadow, <laughs> the, the Morlock libertarians who are running the city from the shadows. Uh, but look, it's. Conservative, the Republican Party's coalition was revealed under Donald Trump to be, uh, under Donald Trump's election to be, culturally, basically the New Deal. Uh, fiscally liberal, culturally conservative. Yeah. Robert Byrd uh, would be very at home. The, the post-Klan people, post-Klan, um, <laughs> Robert Byrd would be very comfortable in the Donald, Trump, Donald Trump's Republican Party because it's socially conservative and fiscally liberal. And what amazes me, if it's true that deficits don't matter. And that since we're borrowing from ourselves, does it really matter? Most of the debt is held, as speaking of West Virginia, I get a third West Virginia reference in. Uh, most of the debt is owed to ourselves at the Bureau of Public Debt in Parkersburg, West Virginia. Mm -hmm. uh, IOUs sitting in drawers. Does it really matter? Who cares about deficits? Let's just go for it. If that's true, that's really interesting. And this would have, we would never, then it would be true that we would never have to have a recession again. And we could just spend our way out of everything. If it's not true, we are so screwed. Yeah. Like yeah. if it's, if, if there's, if you think there's a 5% chance that that's not so, the potential consequences here are uh, civilizational crushing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's right. And that's, that's really cheery. <laughs> um, have a great lock in, everybody. So, um, <laughs> 
right, one last bit of punditry, and then I, I will set you free um, if you answer everything correctly. Um, <laughs> otherwise, you are damned to be here forever. Stay here to be quarantined. Um, and straight through the bowel stewing phase <laughs> of the coronavirus. Which is everybody's favorite phase, <laughs> um, especially the snake in the toilet. So one of the things, as I've been arguing for a very long time, that is that and you referenced it earlier, is that a big chunk, the most distorting thing in the last 20 years in our politics was really Hillary Clinton. Yes. You know, for, for whoever, whoever you want to blame, or you want to think it's all her fault, or her husband's fault, right. or it's, it's the troglodytic right-wingers like me who right. demonized her's fault. Fairly or unfairly. Fairly or unfairly. Bernie Sanders does not become a thing if it were not for the right. fact that Hillary Clinton was so unpopular with so right. many people in the Democratic Party. Correct. Donald Trump does not win in 2016 were it not for the fact that he was running against Hillary Clinton. It's hard to imagine that, let's say, uh, to, to run this thought experiment, um, Hillary Clinton, after the 9-11 slip and her uh, health scare, uh, says, you know what? My doctors say I'm not in good enough health to do this. And it, it breaks my heart to say, but I'm stepping aside. Does Tim Kaine... Yeah. Beat Donald Trump, probably. Yeah, probably he does. A little-known senator from Virginia, probably he probably does. Does Joe Biden beat Donald Trump? Almost certainly. Yeah, right. Almost certainly. So yes. So the the and the numbers that we saw out of Michigan and all of these places in the primary suggest that a significant Trump chunk of Sanders voters were just voting against Hillary, and, yeah. that, and then Biden was much more tolerable, and so they came home and voted for him, or at least to some extent, right? And um, so the question is, since Trump lost the popular vote in 2016 by, what, two and a half, almost three million votes, right? right? And picked the Electoral College, was it like 10,000 votes in Michigan, all that kind of stuff? Uh, it's a total of 70,000 votes across three states, basically. So how many... Um, um, how many of the Trump-Obama voters, Obama-Trump right. voters, right. do you think are now permanently in the Trump coalition? and Or do you think that uh, the, the Hillary tax on the Democratic nominee being gone that, uh, and the, the migration of the suburbanites from the Republican Party to the Democrats – is this a cakewalk for Biden? Is it? Is it still the rule? We've been saying for a long time, both guys are going to start with 45% of the electorate, so it's a fight for 6% of the electorate. Right, but 6% of the electorate's a lot. Yeah. If you lost, if you lost by six points, it would be a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it would be a 40-state route, probably. Right. Um, look, uh, the in seven presidents in the modern era who won a first term, uh, and uh, they sought a second one. Of them, only two lost, uh -huh. uh, and that was Carter and Bush, and both of them were, in Bush's case, a perceived recession. But look, incumbents are different than open seats. Uh, when you have an office holder, it is necessarily a referendum on that person. Um, if you, it's a change election or it's a choice election, and as Mitt Romney can tell you, as John Kerry can tell you, it's hard. Um, prying a guy out is hard. Uh, Democrats are unusually united. 
Um, we hear a lot of talk about the Sanders Nistas and the, all the stuff that's going to happen. They're unusually united in purpose. Um, and that all works to Biden's benefit. Incumbency works to Trump's benefit, unless it doesn't. Uh, if this is Trump's uh, energy crisis, if, the, if, 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 if Corona is like, if people are alarmed by what's going on and feel like the federal government has botched it, uh, this could be a real, real bad situation for Trump. Um, so all of those caveats being laid on it. The reason that people voted for Obama and Trump is because they don't pay that much attention to politics and they're not that ideological, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you have opinions about issues, you're probably not a persuadable voter. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've thought through deficits, if if you have made it to this point in this podcast and have thoughts about the things you're that you've said, you're probably not a persuadable voter. You're not a persuadable voter. Yeah, that's interesting. And the people who are persuadable voters say, I hate politics. I hate politicians. I think it's a rotten business. And I avoid it in general because when it's not rotten, it's boring. And they're not wrong. And then they do their duty uh, every four years, not every two years, every four years are like, okay, I guess I have to go vote. Yeah. I'm going to meet the USDA minimum requirement for citizenship. I'm going to go vote for these. What was PJ Works book? Don't vote. It only encourages the bastards. Right. Um, they and they go vote. How will they feel? I don't know. Um, but they're not. I wouldn't think of these fluish, maybe fluish, quite possibly <laughs> flushed, uh, dropsy. Uh, the 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 people who live in Macomb County, Michigan, the people who live in Lucerne County, Pennsylvania, the people who live in Genesee County, Michigan. Do they – I wouldn't think of them as – so we talk about like Reagan Democrats and we talk about the Clinton Republican. We talk about – we're always talking about the same group of voters mm-hmm. essentially. Um, I don't think that the people who voted for Reagan in 80 and 84 changed their ideologies necessarily, but they thought things were going pretty well in 84. So it will come down to these voters. Do they think it's going pretty well under Trump? If so, they'll stay with him. If not, they'll drop him like yeah. a bad habit. Yeah. All right, so that's an acceptable answer. And actually, you gave me a great idea for future podcasts where when I have like various expert type people on things, I'm going to say, what can you tell me about the kind of person who's still listening to the, this right. podcast what at this moment? <laughs> what, other than obviously unwell. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, among the greatest human beings we've ever lived. Well, obviously, yeah. I'm right up there with Jason Bonewald. Um, all right, so uh, Chris Starwalt. A politics editor at Fox News, a good friend of mine, a fantastic Lombada dancer. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. The Forbidden Dance and I welcome you. Okay, so Chris Dyerwald has left the building, and um, I'm here alone in the Fox News studio, and I sometimes wonder when I'm in, in here alone whether or not, like, now's the moment that the engineer guy on the other side of the glass is going to flip a switch and flood this room with chlorine gas. Because um, I'm unwelcome or something, but uh, they've been great to me here, and thanks you all for for listening. We we are at the remnant. We are scrambling to figure out the best way to provide uh, uh, value to our subscribers and our members and and our first time visitors. Um, I understand that these are weird times, and you uh, may have uh, bigger demands on your pocketbook. But if you could subscribe to the Dispatch. Uh, we would be grateful. It would be great for us to continue to provide sober, realistic, uh, non-hysterical, non-polarizing and partisan uh, news and information. If you check out the latest uh, uh, 
issues of, um, or I should say, editions of the Morning Dispatch. You'll see what I mean. It's the kind of stuff that uh, you can trust during a time when there are a lot of people shouting crazy things. Uh, we will not take any uh, sponsorship from Forsythia. And um, other than that, uh, please, everybody, be safe, be responsible, uh, be good, be strong, behave. And um, I will see you next time. No, you won't. This is a podcast. Something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work, limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.